Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The great Matt Norlander, dead leg, making the big interview. Award-winning writers, athletes, coaches, the biggest names in sports. It's the Gary Parish Show Big Interview on 92.9 FM ESPN. Dead leg, it's GP. How you doing today? Um, I'm doing fine. I didn't hear your, your segments here to, to kick off. I just brought up our Slack in the past, like 10 minutes, man. Cause I've been running around doing a bunch of stuff. I assume the situation that's happening on your face has already been brought up on the radio. Yeah. I felt compelled to bring it up. Four, 14 stitches, <laughs> 14 stitches. You're going to have to podcast with that face on video in two days. You know what? Um, if you uh, Here's the deal. Like, you, I have a hat on right now. I'm, when I'm wearing a hat, you can't tell. You can't see it. Oh, okay. So I can put a hat on and you can't see it. Problem is you cannot wear a hat when you're doing sideline reporting for CBS Sports Network on Friday night. So that'll yeah, be – But you're going to be doing it at Navy. You're going to be like, yeah, I was in combat, man. They're going to understand entirely. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I'm just going to say I've been in combat. I've been in combat. Yeah. I've, I've been in basic training. <laughs> And sometimes basic training is dangerous. I'll come up with a I'll come up with a better story than the actual story because the actual story is just about the dumbest uh-huh. story. <sighs> unbelievable. It is. It is unbelievable. So, all right, college basketball season gets underway today. Baylor has already won by seven thousand points over Mississippi Valley State. Every other ranked team is going to play at some point today. I think the next one to tip off is going to be John Calipari's Kentucky Wildcats. Can you explain for people who might not know why college basketball season starts with zero interesting games featuring ranked teams? Coaches are cowards. That's the three-word answer to your question. Uh, The more detailed reason for this is that normally the season doesn't start on a Monday. It starts on a Tuesday. That was a rule change that happened six, seven years ago. But because... Uh, tomorrow is election day across the country. And because of initiatives that were put into place, you know, 2020 was obviously one of the most notable years in the history of our planet, let alone the United States of America. Um, there was a, an initiative that came out of that that was really started by uh, Eric Reveno, who was, uh, he's, he's, you know, back on the West Coast, a former Georgia Tech assistant at the time, who was pushing for more, you know, Civic duty, and when we have these elections, like you know, our, our efforts should be put forth in, in paying attention to issues that matter uh, outside of sports. And so, because of that, there wasn't a rule that you couldn't play games on Tuesdays, but it was more, you know, if you can get that game done on a Monday, Wednesday, or Thursday, and not have it mess up your schedule too much, let's just try and uh, let's put our priorities where they should be. 
And because of the fact that the calendar is a bit weird this year, um, there are very few games tomorrow on, on Election Day. The Champions Classic, which is always on that Tuesday to start the season, that got pushed back a week by ESPN. And it left this, you know, they had to get the games in, GP, so it left it in the hands of the coaches. And you and I both know, although the coach in your city is a wonderful exception to this rule, Penny Hardaway is the only coach of a power conference program who is opening his season not with one, but two road games. That uh, We'll see how happy he is about that decision, I guess, in about eight days from now. But because of that, coaches are cowards. You give them the opportunity. Now, the coaches would say, listen, we just had an offseason. If I can play a quad four opponent on my home floor just to see what my guys are like, I'm going to do it. I understand why they do it, but it would sure be nice if we had even four or five coaches of top 50 programs willing to schedule a fellow top 50 program in the first couple of days of the season. We don't have that. The first true big game of note will be Gonzaga against Michigan State when that game tips off on an aircraft carrier Friday night. Everything you just said is exactly right. I just don't understand it at all because in college football, we are able to at least get, you know, two or three or four marquee games to start the season. And in college football, the stakes are much higher. You've got a smaller postseason, fewer games. They, by definition, mean more. And yet still, we can get Alabama to play a real opponent or Clemson to play a real opponent or Florida State to play a real opponent. It seems crazy to me that we can't get – John Shire or Mike Shish- uh, not Mike Mike retired, you might have heard, but John Shire, Hubert Davis, Bill Self, John Calipari, any of the big-time coaches at big-time programs to just say, you know what, let's start this thing off right. Somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose, not going to be the biggest deal in the world, but let's give something people to care about. Instead, we are opening this season, and it's going to be a bunch of uninteresting games tonight. Oh, by the way, going head-to-head against Monday Night Football. It just seems crazy. Well, I think that's also why, (laughs) on some level, um, television networks are maybe all too happy to have college basketball programs not try and schedule against Monday Night Football, I guess. But I think the central issue with college football is the game inventory is less. And so since teams have played, what, three non-conference games of college football, most, if not all, of those programs are playing a minimum of one, if not two decent opponents. Some only play one, some play none. Like Michigan had a, Michigan football had three nothing burger opponents, uh, and initially there was a curiosity if that might affect the college football playoff ranking. Michigan hasn't lost yet, and it hasn't. Whereas college basketball, as you well know, they fill up the schedule with six or seven by opponents, right? You know, these games that, that just sell tickets, fill up the seats, and they're just going to be – they're going to they're gonna use it early in the season. I don't like it. In fact, uh, maybe this can be even a tease to what we can talk about a bit more on Wednesday's episode of Ion College Basketball. But I've heard a little bit of a rumbling over whether or not this idea that Champions Classic getting bumped back a week this season, if that doesn't become a thing going forward. Not that it's definitely been decided, but you know the schools involved in that, Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, and Kansas, uh, they were all on board to just kick off the season with a bang and it betters college basketball in a major way. But I think behind the scenes there's a little bit of a, uh, of a push and pull over whether or not that actually will go back to the way it was prior to this year. I wish we had more. That said, and you being the one that authors our daily top 25 and 1 on CBSSports.com and the CBS Sports app, I am kind of wondering if, like, we do get one or two teams that get upset today, tonight. Maybe it happens. I mean, it is kind of a little bit of a heavy ask to ask every single home team of a top 25 program to win from an odds perspective. It's actually more likely that at least one team will lose. I know you're not rooting for that because that means you update the top 25 <laughs> at once. But maybe we get something that's a little bit noisy there. 
And then, of course, we wait and see uh, what Memphis can do in a road environment against a Vandy team that's not expected to do a lot, but certainly Tigers fans would love to see Penny be able to come out and get that win, particularly because the next road game is against a team that's supposed to be much, much better in the Billikens next Tuesday night. Talking to Matt Norlander from CBS Sports. He's on Twitter, at Matt Norlander. You mentioned Memphis at Vanderbilt. On one hand, you look at that and you go, okay, Memphis is a projected NCAA tournament team. Vanderbilt is supposed to finish you know, near the bottom of the SEC again. No big deal. But the truth is um, a, a road game against any SEC team can, can be difficult. Memphis lost at Georgia last season. Georgia barely beat anybody the rest of the season. Uh, then you find out that Vanderbilt reportedly – handled Xavier pretty easily in a scrimmage, and I don't know, you you stack all that on top of each other, and this this could absolutely be interesting for Memphis. Uh, it absolutely could. I did bring up our trusty Ken Palm. Uh, right now, Ken Palm has this, yeah, the one-point uh, difference, Memphis with a one-point win on the road, winning on, going, you know, tasking Memphis to go on the road uh, with, you know, some, some obviously some different pieces from what they were rolling with the season ago. It's a little bit of a heavy ask here, but we'll wait and see. I mean, you and I both think that Memphis will be in the NCAA tournament in 2023. If that's to be the case, and I know your listeners, uh, at least the Memphis fans that are really tuned in, are, are very, uh, very aware of this. Uh, these kind of games, you know, it means a lot to the people in your city, to the people that went to that university. I understand nationally it doesn't, right? Like, Frankly, barring a buzzer beater or an outrageous performance or some ridiculous dunk that happens in this game, Memphis playing at Vanderbilt does not register nationally, and nor should it. But that being said, you know Memphis is a distant second in the American to a Houston team that has national title aspirations. It's going into Vanderbilt if it can, if it can win this game, it could it could conceivably rather easily be a quad one win. And these are the games that matter. It's actually why I've, I've beat this drum for many many years. Um, the start of the college basketball season isn't as great as it could be. Uh, in some years past, I actually think the criticism has been slightly over the top, but the games do matter, and stuff like this matters. If Memphis can win on the road against Vanderbilt, if it wins, if it beats Vandy and St. Louis, which is a tall task, it will not be projected to do both. But if it were to do that, it gives itself such a leg up going into the rest of its schedule there. And it's why, you know, I don't have all the details as to how and why Penny decided to get both these games on the road. Maybe there's a contract situation I'm not aware of. Maybe he doesn't even want this because most coaches would run like hell from ever having to start their season with two road games. But if you win both of them, not only would it indicate that Memphis really could have a top 25 team this season, obviously there would be some indication in that, it means so much down the road. The games in November have as much weight as the, as the first game or second game you play in your conference tournament. And so this actually does carry a lot of significance, even if nationally that's not kind of picked up right now. It's interesting. I, I never heard this from Penny, but I talked to somebody close to him once the schedule was getting close to being finalized and it was clear it was going to be challenging because I think sometimes people look at it and they, they don't see a North Carolina or a Kentucky or an Ohio State on it. And they go, oh, well, that's not too bad. But like when you're playing VCU, St. Louis, Vanderbilt, um, you know, the ESPN Invitational down in Orlando, starting with Seton Hall, could get Oklahoma, uh, could get Ole Miss or Florida State. Like there's a lot of – Memphis might be the only power conference team that plays in its first six games six straight top 100 Ken Palm opponents. Like that, that is challenging. And I remember asking somebody close to Penny, and, and I was like, what is the explanation for that? And they were just like, he really just wants to play interesting games. He doesn't – have much interest like he does the buy games because he has to do them but he he really likes going out and playing playing these types of opponents he's not that worried about 
you know, taking a loss or two. He wants to play real people. And so that's to be commended. I, w- I wish more coaches uh, w- would do it. I'm talking to Matt Norlander here from CBS Sports. I do want to ask you about a recruiting development because over the weekend, Penny and his staff secured a commitment from, among others, five-star combo guard Mikey Williams, who is, you know, a borderline top 25 guy in the class of 2023, but still a five-star prospect and a super famous prospect. I didn't see him this summer because I didn't go out on the grassroots circuit at all because of TV responsibilities. I don't know if you saw him this summer, but if you had or even if you haven't, what what can you tell people about Mikey Williams? Well, yeah, I did not see him this summer either. Uh, yeah, I've been super famous for a while. There was actually wonderment because he spoke out about this publicly in 2020 and 2021 if Mikey Williams will wind up committing to an HBCU. Uh, that obviously didn't happen there, and now Memphis gets a, a pretty well-known prospect. Um, at this stage, uh, he, he appears to be a prospect with, you know, Plenty of promise, but two years ago, I think his ceiling was viewed higher than it is right now, which isn't to say that that can't be recalibrated. And by the time he's in the middle of his freshman season at Memphis, he won't be registering as a top 10 freshman in the country. Like those things can certainly happen there, but it is a really good get. And we are talking about a player who it's right there with Bron, like GP, it's, it's him and Bronny James that have been you know, as as well-known as anyone in, in, in this regard. Like, this isn't a world that you and I live in a ton, but, uh, you, you know, amateur, you know, high school basketball players, kids from the ages of 12 through 15, 16, 17 years old over the past three or four years, when they uh, bring up, you know, Instagram or TikTok or they go on YouTube and they want to look at guys that are their age, guys that are, you know, projected to be future NBA players that you know, have a really good following. It's like Mikey Williams has been – a name that they would have known two years ago more than they might have even known the name Drew Timmy there. So there is, it's another obviously splashy recruiting get for Penny Hardaway. Um, and we'll see, you know, how he develops there. Penny Hardaway, I think, has, he's done a pretty good job overall in keeping Memphis on a good trajectory as he's obviously had ups and downs, good decisions and misfires. We, we get all of that. I can't proclaim if, if Mikey Williams is going to be a one-and-done prospect. He certainly doesn't project as that right now, but that might not be the worst thing. In fact, one of the best things Penny could do is to try and strike this balance between, yes, if you can get if you can get a top-15 prospect to come play for you and he can be a one-and-done NBA pick, that's very, very good for recruiting. But as the American shifts out of being this quasi-power conference into, unfortunately, just being a, a multi-bid league, right, along the likes of the Atlantic 10, the Mountain West, even the West Coast Conference, so long as Gonzaga stays there. That's really what the American is going to be. And so Memphis, as a basketball program, finds itself in an interesting spot moving forward. A notch above, I think, where it was on the, on the back end of CUSA days under Calipari. But if, if Penny can get guys that will stay two or three years, and he's still going to take the scheduling approach, it might be the thing that's necessary to keeping Memphis relevant nationally from a perspective of, they can play with almost anyone. They can schedule just about anyone, and they'll be able to be reliable throughout the season and into March if they have guys who have been on the roster for two or three years and the program doesn't have a ton of transfers leaving, a ton of transfers coming in. I know you know this. Your listeners probably do as well. But when you really step back and examine the landscape of college basketball over the next five years, what's going to come with all this major conference realignment, and you just look at it from basketball and say, who are the coaches that actually have some of the more intriguing setups? 
Memphis is always interesting, uh, no doubt about it, but really because of where it is as a program, like is there any indication it's going to be able, the school's going to be able to leave to join, say, a Big 12? We haven't heard word of that. It will need to do as much as it possibly can within the confines of basketball to give itself the best chance at being relevant. And I think Penny's done a pretty good job. I wait and see what happens this year. I don't think there'll be a top 25 program, but if he does what we think he's capable of, the Tigers should be back in the tournament. Talking to Matt Norlander from CBS Sports. Obviously, Memphis is the biggest deal in Memphis, but this is a state that uh, shares a border with Arkansas, um, with Kentucky, and obviously also in the state is the University of Tennessee. So uh, rapid fire, as you might say, if we were talking to Leaky Black. Let's start with Kentucky. They're preseason ranked fourth in the AP poll. Oscar Shibway reigning national player of the year. Unavailable to start the season after having a uh, knee procedure. Uh, do you believe in John Calipari's Wildcats as a legitimate national championship contender? Uh, I have to use the caveat that uh, Shibway's going to be healthy. If you tell me he's healthy and certainly full, full go 100% by the end of this month, yes, Kentucky is my pick to win the 2023 national championship. Arkansas uh, basically lost every relevant player except uh, Devontae Davis. Um, and yet still uh, the Razorbacks are in the top ten of the preseason AP poll because Eric Musselman enrolled three five-star freshmen, McDonald's All-Americans, and once again worked the transfer portal. Is Arkansas the biggest challenger to Kentucky in the SEC? I have it that way, but we're going to get to Tennessee in a second. The Vols obviously have a case there, and we're going about to find out if Musselman's reputation as kind of a portal, a portal god, if you will, and his ability to recruit – uh, if that's going to be verified, he is. The Hogs are only ranked as high as they are because they've made back-to-back elite eights, and Musselman has taken that job by way of Nevada with a plum, and gotten literally that program to a place that hadn't been since the mid 1990s. I would register Arkansas as the biggest challenger to Kentucky, but the top of the SEC, I actually think, will be an inter- interesting four-horse race. And let's close with Tennessee. The Vols um, got a three-seed in the NCAA tournament last season, won the SEC tournament. Uh, returned four of the top five scores from that team, basically just lost Kennedy Chandler. And uh, notably, perhaps, um, or at least it's the thing that happened, uh, they beat Gonzaga pretty good last Friday night in, in an exhibition. What do you make of, of Rick Barnes' Vols? Yes, I, I, I would put Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, and then Bama not that far behind. Tennessee is obviously capable of winning the SEC. Santiago Vescovi is a potential player of the year in that league, provided Shibway doesn't uh, dominate it again. And then Zakai Ziegler is on my short list of five biggest breakout players in the country. He played alongside Kennedy Chandler last season, and I think he is ready as a sophomore to become one of the best point guards in the country. Tennessee registers as a top-ten team in the eyes of many voters, many people in the media top five in the eyes of a few predictive metrics there. The SEC should have a very buzzy season because I do think it will have a lot of one-and-done talent, a lot of experience. You bring back the National Player of the Year. You have coaching stars there. Um, I, it's going to be hard to jump the Big 12 as the best league in the country. You know that, GP. But if the bottom part of the SEC handles its business, which it's the bottom part, so we'll see. It's a 14-team league. There's usually some teams to bring you down. Uh, I do think there's a viable chance that the SEC's top six maybe could be on par with any other conference in the country. That is Matt Norlander. If you're not following him on Twitter, you can do that at Matt Norlander. Read him at CBSSports.com, and you can see him on CBS Sports HQ perhaps early tomorrow morning. Do you have to do that early tomorrow morning now? Oh, I, I haven't been asked. Were you tasked before I get out of here? Were you tasked with tomorrow morning, and now you might not be doing it? Yes, I was supposed to do it, and then I sent them a selfie. 
And I said, you sure you want me on TV tomorrow morning? And they were like, oh, we'll try to find somebody else. I will. I will assume that will be my duty, and then uh, I will see you Wednesday on the podcast. Well, I, po- I apologize. I didn't mean to put that on your plate. We're, I'm, I'm perfectly capable of handling. It. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll see you. Bye bye. That's Matt Norlander from CBS Sports. You can hear him on the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Our next episode will be live on Wednesday morning. After we get it, attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.